Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I'm really excited because I have been wanting to do a podcast on today's topic of ADD and ADHD for quite some time. And I love the way God works because I was recently um, looking through my nutritional therapy practitioner group and this a question about this came up in there. And so I was reading the comments and seeing what my colleagues had to say. And there was a response from our guest today, from Holly Carter. And it was so helpful, so practical, um, and so knowledgeable. And I immediately just had that feeling like, that is, that's your person. <laughs> that's your person to ask on the podcast. And so I didn't know Holly personally. Um, so I popped over to her personal Facebook page just to, you know, try to get to know more about her. And the first thing I saw was a Bible verse. And so I knew, I knew that was God's way of confirming, um, that what he'd already put on my heart was like, that's your person to, to interview and to ask. And so I asked Holly if she would come on and share the same kind of wonderful knowledge that she shared with our colleagues and just tell us more about her story and um, she she has agreed to do that and i'm i'm so grateful um she's a functional nutritional therapy practitioner who specializes in brain health and so she is going to give us um, a lot of good practical knowledge today i know this uh, affects a lot of families and so um, welcome holly to the christian health club podcast thank you very much it's great to be here looking forward to being able to talk to you yes i'm so happy you're here um okay well let's start by just sharing how you came to be um a functional nutritional therapy practitioner who specializes in brain health Mm -hmm. okay it's kind of a a very windy journey here i've had a variety of excuse me a variety of careers and career paths but the, the overarching view is that I come from a long uh, family history of being uh, engineers. We, we love to gather data, um, solve problems. My, my grandfather was an engineer, my, my dad, myself, my sister, and now our daughter. My daughter is also an engineer. And so we just really love to get in and dig for information and solve problems. And I did that for 17 years. Uh, at General Electric in their aircraft engine division. But in 2000, I left that career to homeschool our two kids. And I did that for about 13 years. Uh, But when our son was getting ready, our youngest was getting ready to head off to college, I decided to go back to school to become an FNTP. And the reason I chose to do that rather than go back into engineering 
is because during those 13 years of teaching them at home, we faced probably seven different critical health situations during that time, and all of them were brain-related. Uh, all of them definitely seemed to be a real threat to derail my kids' bright futures. So needless to say, I, the problem-solving engineer in me and the dedicated mother in me was called into action. And ultimately, over the years, um, we used a variety of things to improve the issues we were facing. But many of them, most of them, were related to diet and nutrition. So, like many others who start out in one direction, but ultimately find themselves in the healing profession, the decision to become an FNTP was born out of living through a very, very difficult and uncertain health challenges for many years. And once I got to the other side of that whole situation, I had a real, <clears throat> sorry, had a real desire to come back around and help anyone else who might be facing the same thing in their families. Um, so, you know, full disclosure, spoiler alert here, I'm going to just tell you that it has a happy ending. Both my <laughs> children, despite going through a bunch of really tough stuff, and maybe not even despite it, but because they went through the tough stuff, uh, they're very resilient, they're happy, and productive young adults. Uh, our daughter is currently working as a full-time engineer and she just went back to get her MBA while working full-time. Um, and she's, so she's just killing it. Uh, our son has also been very successful and he is finishing up his senior year in college uh, and his grades are good enough to allow him to be in the Honor Society there. So we've definitely come a long way in those 20 years and so ultimately, you know, it's my hope that today our discussion will give hope to anybody listening for their futures if they are going through something similar and to know that there are very effective things that can be done to improve, you know, improve the health of their brain or the brains of their children. Sounds like your kids' brains are working well. And so <laughs> they're, they're working. They are working at top level. So that I'm is awesome. So thrilled. Well, tell me, um, let's rewind a little bit because you went from engineering to homeschooling. That's kind of a big... Uh, that's a big, big shift. It's like, mm -hmm. yes, shift. Yes. That's a good word. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell me mm -hmm. about that shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, whenever you see something like that, you can kind of think that it's probably God related. It's definitely a God thing because I was loving my engineering career. Uh, just really felt fulfilled by it. Um, it was what I wanted to do. Uh, but um, I had gone to part-time, and I'll just say because our daughter had to have uh, open-heart surgery when she was two, so I, I did start to release the tight grip I had on my career when that happened. Um, that experience really reprioritized the things that I held dear in my life. Uh, I had to, when I handed her over to the surgeon and I really wasn't sure if I was going to get her back. Uh, I suddenly realized that all the time away from my family um, with this career was really not where, where I wanted to be spending most of my time. I, I wasn't 100% ready to leave completely. I, I couldn't do that necessarily, but I did not want to go back full time. So thankfully, GE graciously allowed me to work part time, and I did that for four years. And in the meantime, I'd had our son. and. We were doing our thing. Everybody was, Emily was in preschool and 
our son was at home with me and you know I was, I was working part-time and we were doing our thing but one day one a friend of mine who was planning to homeschool her kids had mentioned to me that the homeschooling convention was going to be in town and while I was not at all interested in homeschooling uh, just did not see that in my future at all uh, I figured I would go check it out just because our, our daughter who is now six she loved to read and I figured they would have wonderful books that I could get for her there so I did go to the convention and they did have lots of great books and I bought some and, but I had some extra time on my hands during that day walking around so I, I decided to sit in on one of the talks that they were giving and it was about five minutes before the speaker was to come start and so I was just waiting and I started thinking about the following year when we were planning to put our son who was two at the time into preschool uh, so obviously I'm, I'm still thinking I'm not going to homeschool putting him into preschool next year and but I started thinking well, what would I what will I do with the extra time that I'm going to have when he's away at school and so the first thought that I had was well I could partner with a group called Project Literacy and I'd been thinking about that for many years before uh, and they help people learn to read and it's just a I love to read too it's a vital skill that would definitely impact someone's life if they couldn't read so I thought well maybe I could do that but then I thought well you know I also really love working with kids and so maybe I could rock premature babies at the hospital and show them God's love that way. And then I thought, well, you know, if neither one of those things are possible, I could always just volunteer at our church and help them in their mission to tell others about Christ. And it was the instant that I finished that third and final thought that I had, I, I heard a very clear, very distinct voice say, why are you looking to serve me outside your home and I just I felt like I'd been like shocked with electricity or something you know I just was like <gasps> I just just didn't even move I just I was kind of looking around a little bit to see if somebody else had heard heard what I had just heard but everybody was doing you know was still milling around um, and I thought well what does that mean what how hmm I fairly, you know, I started thinking, was that something I just dreamed up? Was that something I said to myself? But I thought, you know, it really couldn't have been for me because if I, if it had been for me, I would have said it in first person. I would have said, why am I looking to serve God outside my home? But that wasn't what was said. It was, why are you looking to serve me outside your home? So it was in third person. And then the second thing I thought, and all of this is happening in just seconds, uh, the, the Second thing I thought was that that voice couldn't have come from me uh, because I actually hadn't even been thinking about ter uh, in terms of serving God, you know, because the voice had said, why are you looking to serve me? Um, and I had actually been thinking about doing the things for other people and I hadn't really been thinking about it in terms of my service to them as being service to God. But, you know, we all know that when we do serve others, you know, we're serving Him. And then the third thing that I realized um, was that even though the voice hadn't actually said, you know, you should homeschool or I'm calling you to homeschool or anything like that, 
I, I just had an internal knowing that that's what it meant. And because it was 180 degrees opposite from what I was just thinking about and planning for in my future, I was pretty certain that I wouldn't have dreamed that up because that wasn't what on my radar at all. Um, and I realized, you know, beside who else but God could put the three desires of my heart that I'd just been thinking about into one role and that I realized I could teach people to read as I had considered doing. And I could work with children. I could rock my children instead of babies at the hospital. And I could teach my kids about Christ and spread the gospel through my children instead of, you know, through the church as I had been thinking. All of those things, you know, were things I had been thinking about doing and they were the desires of my heart and they could be accomplished if I chose to leave my engineering career and teach the kids at home and serve God in my home. So, you know, in that moment, I knew that that was what he was asking me to do. And I was definitely on a God encounter high, you know, the rest of the day, looking now with a whole different purpose, you know, at all of these things and thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? Because I, I didn't have any idea how I was going to do what he was leading me to do. And I absolutely did not know why he would call me to do such a thing because everybody seemed happy with what we were, where we were. Um, but I did know that what I wanted to do was follow his lead, you know, and trust, and trust, step out in faith and trust his vision for our lives. So I went home that night and I told my husband that I think I want to homeschool the kids. <laughs> Honey, I have something to tell you. <laughs> and he, he, he looked like he'd just been shocked by, with electricity and he, he just said, uh, I thought you were just going to go there to get some books. And I said, yeah, well, you know, that was the plan. But uh, I told him what I'd heard and, and, you know, what I felt like God was calling me to do. And he immediately said, well, I'm not, I, I certainly don't want to stand in your way of doing something you feel God has called you to do, you know. So, so we, we set to work figuring out how to pull it all off. And I had about four months over the summer to investigate curriculum and figure out our finances because I, even though I was working part-time, I was still making about 40% of our income. Um, so, I, and I, I got the book, uh, Women Leaving the Workplace. Uh, I listened to Focus on the Family and they were talking about this book. And so if anybody else is also thinking about leaving the workplace for whatever reason, you know, that would definitely be a good resource. Uh, but bottom line, you know, God guided me through all of that. And he, if he gives you a job to do, if he gives you a calling, then he will provide whatever you need to, to be successful. And so in 2000, he did. And so in 2000, uh, I left my career as an engineer to begin a new chapter in our lives. Uh, but I was still no closer to really knowing why God had asked me to do it. But, you know, we can rely on the Jeremiah 29 11 for that. You know, just he knows the plans that he has for us and there to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. So. Uh, I just did step out in faith, and um, it, I didn't really, again, get any inkling about why, uh, why he might have called us to do this until about maybe four years into homeschooling, um, when I started to realize that both my kids were experiencing brain health issues, uh, one more obvious than the other, uh, but I definitely needed to reach back into my problem-solving engineering tool kit to to figure those brain health issues out.
What kind of like what kind of brain related issues aside from I mean, I assume you're talking about the 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 ADD, ADHD, but kind of was there more than that? And tell me how you came to discover that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, it turns out it was a lot more than that. And we'll we'll end up talking about that. But first, I noticed that our daughter would often make um, lots of careless mistakes in her work. I could see that she was because we were teaching her at home. I saw all of her homework. I heard all of her questions um, and I knew she knew the material but she would not do as well on tests because she would make lots of careless mistakes um, she wasn't paying attention to the detail um, and she also was exhibiting some tendencies towards anxiety so kind of fearful sort of things uh, but primarily the anxiety would also show up as as test anxiety and performance kind of a performance anxiety thing uh, but because I was teaching them at home, I was able to, I decided to give her untimed tests because I didn't care really about how long she took to tell me what she knew. I just wanted to know that she knew it. And um, it, was, it was pretty clear, it was interesting how that artificially stress-induced timed test uh, really messed with her ability to get the information out because I would, give her the test and tell her she had half an hour to do it and she would make all these mistakes and she might not even finish. But when I said, you have all the time that you need, she would go through the material, rarely make a mistake, maybe a few of these, these uh, careless mistakes, but she would, she would get done and she would turn it in in 20 or 25 minutes. She would, uh, you know, not, she would not be all stressed out. She would do much better work. So it definitely showed me that uh, that was a simple intervention to accommodate her anxiety issue. It doesn't always need to be a medication or something. So that was what I first started to see in, in her. Uh, but because she didn't have any real noticeable learning disabilities, you know, her anxiousness and her inattentive ADD really kind of went unnoticed. She flew under the radar and it wasn't until she got to high school when she was officially diagnosed with inattentive ADD and generalized anxiety. Um, but she was able to take advantage of the same kinds of things we did at home with the, the learning accommodations. Um, so the longer times to take tests or finish papers. Uh, she got very close to straight A's. She was a really good student um, because of that, um, those accommodations. And I would recommend, you know, anybody who's facing a similar situation that if your children are in a in school, that's one of the benefits of getting them officially diagnosed with ADD or ADHD because then they can get these official learning accommodations and it's, it's a really very helpful tool to allow them to tell you what they really know. Um, so um, as just a side note, my son in college right now had to take a test online and, and for some reason it wasn't working. Uh, so he, his teacher, his, his professor asked him to come in and take the test orally. And that's another accommodation that you can take. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, some people might say, <gasps> taking an oral test, oh my gosh, you really have to know your stuff. Well, he, he took the test in an hour, uh, answered the questions that the professor had for him. And at the end, he got an A. And the, the professor said to him, you should think about going to law school. <laughs> Oh, wow, <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, you know, he's he's in criminal justice. Um, but so you know, 
but he has difficulty with reading and writing. Um, and we'll talk more about this soon, but he has that information in his head. He just has a hard time getting it out onto a piece of paper um, in a test, in a test environment. And so taking a test orally actually, again, is a really, is an accommodation uh, that you can have. It's the first time he'd ever done it, but it really can be a wonderful way to really get to know whether this person knows the material or not, you know, because they just uh, bypasses the thing that they're weak in. Um, so anyway, but back to our son, uh, he, he wasn't as lucky as just having a couple little things going on. Uh, even though he had started to read at four, he, by the time he was seven, he really wasn't progressing well and it was still hard for him to pay attention. He was very distractible, just really struggling with anything that had to do with writing, uh, holding a pencil, coloring, all of that was just really difficult. He would, after just a few seconds of effort, he would put his head down on the table and I could just see he was physically drained. It just wasn't that he just mentally didn't want to do it. He just was, ugh, he was just wiped out. Uh, but he also had a lot of other behaviors related to sensory issues that were getting in the way of his ability to learn. So I started making a list of all of those kinds of things. Anything I saw him doing, and I made it a list and, and brought it to the pediatrician. And after she reviewed the long couple pages of things that I was <laughs> seeing in our son, um, she said he felt she felt he had something called sensory processing disorder, which I had never heard of at the time, but um, now I know that it, it often occurs along with an ADD diagnosis, as well as learning disabilities or learning dif differences. Um, and she recommended that I read the book, The Out of Sync Child. Um, so, and we used, we used that uh, religiously uh, for ideas uh, to help him kind of get through some of these sensory issues. Uh, she also gave us a question, oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. Can you? My my son um, also has sensory processing disorder, and just I know this could be its oh whole own episode, mm -hmm. but can you just share some of the um, some of the things that you were seeing that would fall under that sensory processing mm -hmm. disorder mm -hmm. diagnosis? Right. So, you know, as it, it sounds, it has to do with anything that has to do with our senses. You know, whether it could be taste. Uh, or, or smell, or sight, or touch. His, a lot of his uh, issues revolved around the touch part of the senses. He did have kind of a fight or flight reaction to the smell of peppermint, so that was a smell situation. It really threw him off. But um, most of his issues were around touch. He would, um, he just wasn't, he was hyposensitive to information coming into his body through touch like one example would be um, I would scratch the kids backs at night uh, just as a relaxing thing to get them to go to sleep and he would say mama could you please scratch harder you could scratch harder and I just felt like one I, I was like I, I'm going to make him bleed I'm scratching <laughs> so hard that you know this is supposed to be relaxing and I'm feeling like I'm you know um, uh, he would walk really hard on the floor, like he would just pound as he was walking. Um, one time I remember taking him to the 
to the doctor uh, because he, the night before he had said his ears hurt and she looked at his ears and said, how long have you been waiting to bring him in? <laughs> and I said, well, he just mentioned it last night. Um, and she said both of his ears were about ready to burst. Uh, oh with infection. my gosh. Yeah, but he couldn't so feel So very it. high tolerance to pain because my very son has high. sensory processing as well and that kind of in that same vein, high, high tolerance for pain. Mm -hmm. My son can, can um, like deal with really hot, like a really hot, hot shower doesn't bother him where my mm -hmm. other kids are like, it's burning me mm -hmm. um, yes. because it takes more of that input for input. him to register it in his brain. Yep. That's exactly right. Yes. Um, just one other minor thing as, that I noticed is, you know, as he was writing or trying to write, he would always break the lead on the pencil because again it was also there's kind of you have to figure out where your body is in space and that's another one of the senses but uh, so I think he has difficulty with that plus you know just not not knowing get getting that feedback that the pencil is on the page you know he would constantly break break the lead on the pencil so um, anyway those those are some of the things uh, that I saw him doing uh, she also gave us a questionnaire uh, that would help determine if he had ADHD and which he did end up being diagnosed with with ADHD. Uh, so when I asked her what could we do to help him, the only option that she offered up for us at that point was that we try Ritalin. And now this was 15 years ago. Um, hopefully health professionals are more aware of the power of diet and lifestyle than that has on ADD, but also lots of brain, other brain related issues. But back then it wasn't discussed at all. And she, and she may not have really known much about uh, diet and nutrition anyway, to, to be able to adequately tell me about any of that. Uh, but so I did decide to try Ritalin, even though I was hesitant to, because we, he learned at home and we could take breaks if we needed to. And he didn't have to sit and be quiet like they, need to be in a more traditional learning environment. But when she said, you know, it can't hurt to try it, maybe it can help him, just can't hurt to try. So I decided I would try it. Uh, and the, the first day that he took the medication, he had an enormous boost in his ability to do the work and, and in his desire to do the work. He went from reading about five pages of a Dick and Jane book, that was about all he could do, uh, but he, the day that I gave it to him, he finished the entire book, which was about 50 pages, and he wanted to even read more. <laughs> wow. Which, you know, because it was, it was so exciting for him, too, that, oh, he, you know, if, I think ADD kids and adults kind of get beaten down and kind of think that I'm, I'm, I'm not getting this. I'm, there's something wrong with me. And then when he had some success, it was really, like, let's do this some more, you know. Uh, but I will say that we never, we never saw that level of boost in his ability. Again, uh, I do think that it was really a jolt to his system and he, you know, he, he responded, but we, it did, you know, definitely the Ritalin definitely had a, a beneficial effect in terms of his ability to do the work and pay attention longer and he felt better about himself. So I did decide to keep going with it and, and to try it. Uh, after we'd had more experience, we did try it for about a year, uh, I came to realize that it really wasn't the harmless 
for us, it was not the harmless thing that I had hoped that it might be. It was definitely causing a number of concerning side effects. It, even though it was clear that he was helping, he was being helped with the learning, and the side effects greatly outweighed the educational benefit, you know, for us. And one of the primary side effects that he experienced was that he stopped growing. Um, he was seven years old, and that's an important, important time for growth. He just wasn't, he wasn't eating much because he was never hungry. Ritalin depresses person's appetite. He was also very argumentative when the drug started to wear off in the afternoon, and that's something they officially call bounce back. He also started having lots of sleep problems, like he would uh, walk in his sleep, he, grind, he would grind his teeth, uh, he wet the bed, and he also had stom occasional stomach aches, and he just wasn't, just wasn't the same kid. So it really wasn't something that I felt in good conscience that I could keep him on. So we weaned him off. The, I told the pediatrician we weaned him off, and she recommended a different drug, which is called Stratera. And we did that for about 10 months. We did Ritalin for about a year, 10 months on the Stratera. But pretty clearly I could see that there really wasn't any edu uh, educational benefit from that medication. Uh, I was still hoping that maybe it would kick in over time or something, but we, we decided you know, we'd take him off of that as well. Uh, and about around about that time too, I'd also taken him for an official evaluation of his learning capabilities to a clinical psychologist. And he had diagnosed him with dyslexia, which is difficulty in reading, and dysgraphia, which is difficulty in writing. So we added those two diagnoses to the ADHD and the sensory processing disorder. Uh, so anyway, we were weaning him off of Stratera when he experienced the most scary of all of the brain-related issues that he was having, and, and that was that he started to develop seizures. And they would come mostly at night, just when he was falling asleep. He would just have been falling asleep, and then his eyes would fly open, and he would breathe rapidly and shake a little bit, and then his eyes would close, and then five seconds later, ten seconds later, they would open again and shake, and he Scary. would breathe. Oh, my. You know, it, it really was, but it, I don't know. I think I just went into engineer mode again because the first time that I saw that happening, I got my pad and paper out, and I started documenting the pattern. And I realized that he was, um, it, it, they, he would have the seizure, and then it would be five seconds between, and then he'd have another one, and then they started slowly, gradually getting longer in between times. It would have happen maybe a minute in between seizures, and then five minutes in between, till it finally, after two hours, he, they finally, he would just, go to sleep. And so I think he was getting into the, you know, the deeper sleep part. But we know that we cycle in and out of, of the different stages of sleep um, all throughout the night. So I can only imagine that that would be happening th throughout the night. So we were concerned that his brain was suffering damage. Uh, so at, at nine years old, he, we went into the, the local children's hospital and he received uh, he did a, a sleep study, uh, and he got his fifth and final 
brain-related diagnosis um, there, and he was diagnosed with epilepsy, with seizures. So they prescribed him two anti-seizure medications that they said that he had to take for two years before they would ever consider taking him off of them. So, you know, that was our, <laughs> that was our biggest, our biggest uh, hurdle here from a brain-related standpoint. And one thing I will mention about uh, seizures and the stimulant medications that are commonly used to treat ADD, and that is that there are warnings about the possibility of increased, the increased possibility of developing seizures. They have, uh, this package insert has a lot of these potential side effects of, in them. And in the drug paperwork, they say, the way they say it is that it can reduce the seizure threshold. And so uh, I, I did not read the, the, all of the detail in that long list of, of potential side effects. And I had really, probably naively, uh, relied too heavily on our pediatrician who had said that it, it couldn't hurt to try it. No, no mention of any sort of side effects was made at the time. But even if I had read the paperwork, I, I still probably wouldn't have understood what they were saying when they said it lowers the seizure threshold, but that just means just another way of nicely saying that it can increase the possibility of seizures. That's very and sneaky. I think it's this politically <laughs> correct way of saying, you know, it's just making it sound a little less scary. Um, but, you know, and since I've now taken the uh, training for nutritional therapy, I, I did kind of want to know the why behind that. You know, not just that, yes, it does potentially happen, it increases the possibility of seizures, but why would it do that? And I now come to realize that the medications lower the mineral status in the body, and especially the uh, sodium and potassium. And those two minerals are the are key to, not the only ones, but they're definitely key in creating and regulating the electrical signals in the brain and the nervous system of the body. So that might explain why not everybody who takes these drugs are develop seizures, go on to develop seizures, but if you're already low in, in those, and this may cause you to be lower and cause the electrical system not to work well. Mm. So, you know, is at this point that I, that I had done what everybody had told me that I ought to do, or, or the, the, they gave me their best guidance, you know, the professionals did. Uh, and I, but I realized it was absolutely up to me to figure out how to help him in a more healthful and less damaging way. Uh, because he absolutely needed somebody to fight for him and somebody that was willing to to go beyond just the surface level and to dig and dive into everything and anything that might really nourish his brain and help it function properly. So so my prim primary focus at this point was my goal was to get him off of the seizure medications two years down the road and that in that time frame you know, while he would be taking the medications, I would be trying to find whatever I could to, to nourish his brain. And if that helped any of the ADD or the dyslexia or the dysgraphia or the, or the sensory processing, great. But what I, my really, my biggest goal was to get him off of the seizure medications so that he could, and be seizure free, really. Seizure free was the ultimate goal. Uh, and I was hoping that those things might 
might take all of those out, like the five birds with one stone kind of, kind of approach. But. My goodness. Um, so where did you start with that when you're, okay, you're, so you're like, okay, I have to nourish his brain. This mm -hmm. is my goal. And so where did you go from there? Mm -hmm. So I started, I just started with what I thought might, might help just without doing any research. I just thought a multivitamin can't, you know, can't hurt. It, it's just going to give me a broad base. I'll, I'll start with a multivitamin. I did that, but then I also started to do the research and found pretty quickly that Omega-3 fish oils had a good positive effect on ADD. And they had done a study in Australia that had showed that three grams of fish oil a day had had the equivalent effect of Ritalin. So that's amazing. You know, amazing. Yes, yes, it is. And it also helps boost mood. And so it has, again, has not just one benefit. There are just, there are just no side effects there are only side benefits to working with food and nutrition uh, so when our son was on ritalin i i had found that the three grams of fish oil would possibly do the same thing so i i, I had him on both at the same time and we continued fish oil was pretty primary nutrient that we continued to take that he continued to take i take it too we all do um, until you know he left home from college so that was definitely a a pillar was the fish oil, the omega-3 fish oil. But another thing that I had come to read and come to know is that I, mean, I even attended a conference on it on sensory processing issues, was that many kids with ADD and sensory processing are also drawn to a combination of the wheat products and the dairy products. And you know, we all know too that all, most all of us are enjoy those feel-good foods, you know, of mac and cheese. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I think everybody can mm -hmm. relate to that. Yes. Um, yes. And it's because it happens in all of our brains. It, those two proteins, the dairy protein, the casein and the gluten, the wheat protein combine to have an opiate effect in our brains. And it doesn't matter whether, what, you know, what any diagnosis you have, that is what happens. And that is what makes us feel good. And what, why we're drawn to those foods, you know, cereal and milk, cheese and crackers. You could think, you could think of any, all, all sorts of combinations of these wheat and the dairy products. But the problem is it also commonly causes massive inflammation throughout the body. And, you know, what's happening in the body, the brain's connected to the body and it's going to happen in the brain as well. And so it, it causes inflammation in the brain. So people that are sensitive with, you know, to brain issues like ADD, sensory processing disorder, dyslexia, all that, then, you know, that inflammation then is going to just pile on to the problem. Mm -hmm. It's like exacerbate the problem. Absolutely. Yes. So it's not, I mean, really, it's, it, that is the same effect for all of us, but somebody with mm -hmm. any kind of brain condition like this, it's going to mm -hmm. exacerbate it and make it worse. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly right. Yep. And, and those, Two foods are my kids' favorites, especially our sons. You know, he could he could definitely down a big glass of milk with a piece of bread every hour on the hour. It was he, he loved it. You know, um, and so therefore, even though I knew that information, I knew that it was probably not good for him. I was just too intimidated to try to completely take them out of our diet. That was just the two 
that was too big an ask for me. Um, but I did try. I tried switching to soy milk or rice milk. Those are the only two options that we had back then. There are lots of great alternatives now with the, uh, the nut milks and things. So I did try switching that and I did try reducing the amount of bread products that we were, e we were eating. And so what I, was, what I was hoping was that I had also read a book called uh, Enzymes for Autism and Other Neurological Conditions. And when I was reading that, she was using enzymes for her two autistic children and said that they were really helping that they had um, problems with digestion and digesting fully. And so I thought, well, maybe what I can do is I'm, st I'm still going to try to reduce all these things, but not eliminating them. Can't go there yet. Uh, I was hoping that the enzymes would help their bodies properly and fully break down the gluten in the case. And maybe that's really the root cause is that we just have bad digestion and maybe we can kind of have our cake and eat it too, so to speak. Um, so that's, that was my first attempt um, at trying to maybe change our diet. But once our son was uh, diagnosed with seizures and was put on the two seizure medications, I ended up adding lots and lots of B-complex to the multi and the omega fish oil and then the changes that we had made to our diet. I primarily did that because after the two seizure medications, being on the two seizure medications, his personality really changed. He was super grouchy. He was really irritable, unable to control his temper. It was hard, really, really hard to live with. So when I went for a checkup with the, um, with the doctor, I told him what was going on and he said, well, you know, there had, have not been any clinical studies on this, but that I, that he knew of, but he said, other parents have told me that vitamin B6 in particular has been helpful in counteracting this common side effect, another side effect from these, these medications. And he also said you should sh probably shoot for about a hundred milligrams of this B6 a day. So, so I did that and it completely resolved his grouchiness and it was it really did take care of that side effect um, and he was back to being his sweet self so that's amazing uh, I know and I did have to you know again he's he's young he was let's see he was nine at this point but I'm popping these these uh, I used a uh, multi not a multi a um, a B complex, so not That's just what I was going to ask you. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you if you did a complex or just yeah. a straight B six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did a B complex. I really do believe that they work better and, and synergistically together. Mm -hmm. uh, but because I was also shooting for that hundred milligrams, I ended up having to give him like eight of these B uh, <laughs> these B complex. You know, wow. so we were yeah. Uh, but it really did the trick. Uh, completely resolved uh, that issue. So I, you know, looking back on it again, I, I do wonder, just like the, the Ritalin and reduce the sodium and the potassium, I, I did wonder if that was something that was happening with the seizure medications. Did it have some sort of re reducing effect on B vitamins? But I, I haven't looked into that to, to know for sure. So anyway, he was on a limited, this limited supplementation plan, the multi, the omega-3s, and the B vitamins. Uh, when the two years were up, uh, the doctors developed a, a 
protocol to wean him off of the medications to see if it would hold and we would not have any breakthrough seizures. And thankfully, um, that, was, that was when he was 11 and he's never had another one since. He's now been Praise seizure God. free. Yes, yes, amen to that. Uh, that was a, I really felt like we had given his brain what it needed, but you know, you never know. Uh, so we, we weaned it off and we've never, we've never looked back. Um, you know, some, some people may say, and they have said to me, well, he just grew out of them. You know, he just, sometimes that happens. Sometimes they get them, you know, when they're younger and then they grow out of them. And um, we'll never know, but I, I couldn't, that was too serious and too important. Uh, it was totally altering for my, for his life. And I, I just could not take a wait and see approach and just, and just hope that doing nothing was going to help. Um, so I, I really, I do believe that the fish oil and the B vitamins were primarily what helped him be able to overcome that. And then, you know, the multi had the, some of the minerals and stuff in it too. So. I think you do need to take charge and try to do everything in your power to alter the outcome. Um, but still, so by this point, you had not totally eliminated anything from his diet. Not totally. Nope. Okay. No. You we were reduced. just kind of. Mm-hmm. I had I had made some, you know, dipped my big toe into the into the waters a bit. You know, I had made some some changes. We were because also because we were still homeschooling. I could make all the food at home and I had that kind of control over it. And so I had tried to increase the amount of protein and we were eating whole foods. Uh, but I definitely were, we were still, we we're still eating bread um, and that kind of thing. So we, we still were, and, and taking digestive enzymes. But, um, you know, so I had not completely eliminated everything. Um, later on, after you know, him coming off the seizures. I, I was still doing more research and still wanting to see what else I could be doing. And I ended up introducing magnesium. So a couple of minerals, more minerals, magnesium, zinc, and then probiotics. Uh, I had learned later on that most people with ADD have low magnesium levels, especially kids with ADHD. And um, most have disordered copper levels and then and zinc helps to balance out the copper. And then we did do some genetic testing and I learned that he has a gene that makes it harder for probiotics to thrive in his gut. And so, um, you know, and I guess I'd forgotten to tell you that uh, he was born C-section, so he did not get inoculated with the beneficial bacteria from me at birth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, 22 years ago, I don't even think we were talking about probiotics or beneficial bacteria. Uh, they did not know about that, or at least I didn't. No, uh, they weren't. Now, I had three C-sections as well. Oh, so yes, all my, my children's are in the same <laughs> situation. Yeah. yeah, so now, you know, great. They know that, that they can wipe the baby with the probiotics uh, from the mother, and that's wonderful. You know, they can start getting some of that, but they, he started out with this deficit in, in the bacteria to begin with, and he had this this gene that made it harder for the probiotics that he did have to thrive. So I decided that, uh, you know, probiotics, they, you know, they create their own B vitamins, they help with gut function, they, they create vitamin K, just all sorts of stuff. So I wanted him to have the extra probiotics as well. Um, 
so those are those are the main things that we did. Um, I think too that it's also important to stress to people it's not just one one modality, one you know it's not just nutrition and diet. We did implement a lot of other things that improved uh, that improved his ability to make his way through all of these situations. We used wonderful practitioners like our, our occupational therapist who helped us with uh, overcoming a lot of the sensory processing issues and uh, in this whole time frame we had ended up moving closer to Seattle. Um, we had been in Georgia uh, outside Atlanta and we moved to Seattle and there I found a place called uh, HANDLE, H-A-N-D-L-E and it stands for the Holistic Approach to neurodevelopment and learning efficiencies wow. and they they did a lot of things similar to a lot of the things we were doing with in the out-of-sync child a lot of cross work so that you're getting the two hemispheres of the brain to fire uh, at the same time and kind of work together but they had a lot of hands-on kinds of activities that that we did through them and they were very helpful and then we also used uh, we had, a, had an amazing energy medicine practitioner there too that we were working with. So there were lots and lots of things. And, and exercise, you know, I kind of think about it as a three-legged stool to a solution for this, these issues. And that is that diet and nutrition probably has the biggest leg of that stool. Uh, but these, these other modalities, these occupational therapists and things like that was also really key. And then exercise really really helped and both of our kids were uh, we just think of it just generally it's good to have kids active that's true but um, but I definitely saw that when when football season ended our son's ability to do well as well as he was doing in school really really fell he you know we we hadn't changed anything at that point he was really doing well super you know, he was on uh, basketball and he was doing baseball and football and track and swimming and all, you know, all these different sports. But when he was in the football season, we hadn't changed anything else. Football ended and, and his, uh, his performance did decline some. So that definitely showed me that, you know, it all, it all works together synergistically. Mm -hmm. um, and I, but I would say if, if there was just nothing else that anybody hears from this talk is that the one thing and, and it, gosh, it took us eight years, nine years to get to this point. You know, we're still, we're, I just feel like we're just walking on this path and we're just seeing the next step. You know, we're, uh, but a after all of this time, we're doing all of these incremental changes. The one thing that we did that had the biggest, most, in biggest impact. Uh, that we could see very dramatically was when we worked with a naturopath who helped us heal our son's leaky gut and she she laid down the law when it came to the elimination diet uh, so she, she you know she had instructed us just as I had heard many years before that you know the gluten and the dairy she added other things to it you know we know that soy is not the greatest sugar is a real problem and corn often the body looks at corn similarly to gluten, mm -hmm. so uh, she had us taking all of those things out of out of his diet. And I, at this point, I was willing to do that. At this point, you know, it 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 didn't seem so insurmountable at this point because we had kind of taken some 
baby steps toward that. Um, she also used some homeopathics to address candida, which is uh, you know an infection, a hidden infection that I had not even been aware of. It's a yeast. Uh, there's no way that I, you know I knew any, that he had it. He didn't know he had it, but she diagnosed him with that. And then um, you know she also gave us some things to actually heal the damaged tissues, to heal the leaky gut. So. I think your, your listeners are probably aware of the concept of leaky gut, mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't recent in, until recently that I had heard uh, a doctor say that it's, if you have leaky gut, then it's almost guaranteed you have leaky brain because both the gut and the brain have very delicate tissues that are designed to be the gatekeepers of what to let in and you know and what not to what to keep out and if there's the systemic inflammation that we were talking about being caused by whatever we're doing chemicals or the foods that we're eating if there's that systemic inflammation and damage in one part of the body there's systemic inflammation and damage happening all over the body and including the brain and the biggest problem well especially with the brain's brain issues is you really can't feel brain inflammation uh, and so most people assume that it's just not there. They don't, they can't feel it. It's not a rash on their body. It's not something they can see. Um, and so, you know, they assume that it's not happening. Um, it's also a bit of an art to be able to link things like brain fog or memory loss, or mood swings or hyperactivity to things that people ate days ago. And that's, yes. that's really... Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of times that is what it is. It's a delayed, a lot of times it's a delayed reaction. It's not like the anaphylactic reaction to something that you're absolutely allergic to. It's just that you're sensitive to it. And it can be days before you actually might see some things as a result from what you ate, you know, so. And that's true, I mean, of leaky gut as well. And it, the fact that just because you don't have digestive symptoms does not mean mm that you do not have a, a leaky gut or, you know, systemic inflammation. So I think that's important to note. Was your son, did he experience any, I knew y'all didn't reduce the enzymes, but did he have any kind of digestive issues or pooping issues, anything like that? No, not really. Um, and that, that is kind of a bit of a, an issue maybe even today is, you know, he, he's a, a grown young man. And so, but he knows that this, this approach worked for him. And, uh, but he still loves, you know, he still loves to eat pizza. And so, you know, the, I think, and we've talked about this in the past is that um, I think the people that are most blessed are the people that are do have a rash or do have some um, gut problems, you know, some uh, digestive pain or, you know, it, it helps to really identify for them that they are eating something that their body is really having difficulty with. And, um, and when you don't have that, it's easy to, easy to slide back or shift and say, you know what, I took it out of my diet for a while, but let me try adding it back in. And then if I don't have any problems, noticeable problems, then, then I should be okay. You know, and I even except, got sucked in. Oh, I was gonna go say, except those, those problems may not show up for three or four days later and you don't, you can't make that connection. No, exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, I, way back when he was first born too, uh, when I was, 
nursing him, he broke out in a rash all over his body to, uh, about two weeks, uh, two weeks old. And it turned out that it was all the dairy I was eating uh, that was getting into the breast milk and then causing him this issue. So I knew he was sensitive to milk, um, dairy products. So I, again, I took it out of my diet and, he, and it, they went away. But um, when he was about three, I tried to add it back in and I didn't see a rash. And so I thought, oh, okay, he's grown out of that, you know. Um, so it, it, you run the risk. You run the risk of making the wrong choices and the wrong assumptions when you, when you only rely on noticeable symptoms mm -hmm. in making those choices. So, uh, so when we, you know, the, the approach that we used definitely took concerted effort. It was not, you know, and, and time, but it didn't take a lot of time from the time that I started working with the naturopath and really got serious about this to get to the root cause of the issue. Um, so when we got serious about his diet and we addressed this unknown infection and took the nutrients needed to heal his gut, his attention span tripled. He went from being able to attend to tasks from about 20 minutes or so to an hour, easy. And he was happier, he was more at ease. His reading ability jumped four grade levels. Um, wow. And he grew five inches in that, in that one year. But I will also say that he, we were using a really great uh, reading system for dyslexics that were designed for, for dyslexics. So, uh, you know, again, there's that idea that it's not just the nutrition. You, you, you know, you need those other things that come alongside. What's but the I, name I, of that? Because somebody's going to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> that learning program. Yes. Like, what is it? Yes. It's, it's a really, it was really wonderful. It's, it's called the Barton Reading and Spelling Program. B-A-R-T-O-N. Reading and Spelling. And it's, Again, it was great for sensory people because they have these different letters on tiles and you pull the letter as you're spelling the word, you know, pull the letter down with your right hand and you're counting something else with your left hand. And again, it's getting the two hemispheres of the brain to, to work together. So we were using that already, but when, boy, I tell you, when we got that, all that inflammation, you know, out of his body and, and his body could calm down, it could really focus on doing all these other things. And that, that's also what I was thinking about in terms of growing the five, five years in one, in one, or five years, five inches in one year, uh, was he was about 13. And yes, his hormones were kind of kicking in at that time. But we know that if your body is under stress, your, all of the energy is going to just kind of survival mode. And when we were able to kind of get him in more thriving mode and not as so stressed out about with this infection and with all the inflammation and things like that, then his body could say, okay, now I can actually make these hormones <laughs> that he needs, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, I think it all plays, and again, we'll never know, but maybe he would have just, you know, by happenstance grown five inches, who knows? But uh, I, I think we also know the, the background of how the body works and and I think all those things that we were doing really allowed his body to do what it knows to do. That's amazing. Yeah. That so, amazing. you know, the, you know, the things that I, I guess I wish I had known, you know, back way back when we first started was all the, all the things that we, that I learned in my, our NTP training. Um, 
I, I wish I had known about the significant impact that the digestive system has on the body. And that's the first thing that we learn in our training is to start with digestion first because you know it holds the key to getting the nutrients into the body as well as getting the toxins out. And if, if things are working suboptimally in digestion, then the whole body suffers. And, um, you know, so I, I, I did use the digestive enzymes earlier, uh, but I, I, you know, uh, I would have gotten serious about eliminating the foods that might have been causing the inflammation and, and looking for the hidden infections that might also be stressing out the body. Uh, so when you, you know, when you think about what I was doing, I was doing some of the right things, but I was also adding to the problem. Uh, I didn't know really that I was, although I, you know, we know that now, um, that it, it doesn't really make sense to be trying to heal on, on the one hand, taking the, the, the actions that you need to take to heal, but also be adding, you know, fuel to that fire with, with the dairy and with the, the gluten. And I'm, and I'm not saying that you have to always, you know, always, always keep it out of your diet. I feel much better without it in my diet. Uh, I, I do think, you know, it gives you a fighting chance to, to make those real big head, that big headway in, um, in conquering these issues. If you're able and willing to, to go through the elimination diet for a period of time, and then it, it, you can logically add things back in, but, but really, I, you know, so many people have issues with dairy and, and wheat that I think it probably makes a lot of sense to just find other products that aren't so damaging, you know. Right. Um, right. So I think, you know, again, I'd actually also pay more attention to, to healing the damage too, because, you know, in the gut, uh, so, because I was taking things out and I was giving some nutrients, but nothing that really healed was specifically designed to heal the damage that had happened in the gut. Uh, so it's not enough just to remove the offending foods or kill the pathogen. I think you really need to heal the damage that they've caused by using those various nutrients and the probiotics so that you don't continue to live with inflamed tissues because you haven't healed the tissues. Uh, you haven't healed them and allowed the body to have a chance to calm down. So, yeah. And that I is think, such good advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the other, some of the other things, you know, fo I focus on a nutrient-dense diet like you and I were taught, you know, putting uh, a bigger emphasis on drinking pure water and eating high-quality proteins and upping the amounts of proteins and healthy fats. That's a big shift from 20 years ago, you know, when everything was fat-free and no-fat and low-fat and all of that. Um, especially for brain health, the brain is 60% fat. And, and, and we saw the you know, omega-3 fatty acids just had a huge impact on, on the health of the brain. So I would definitely have, uh, and I, you know, I did, I put the fish oil in, but I definitely wasn't putting healthy fats necessarily into our diets, but that would also help. And then of course the vegetables and the fruit. I would definitely limit the simple carbs um, and then the sugary, you know, sugary stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the central fatty acids, the fish oil and the B vitamins, you know, again, those were things that I did do. And I, I'm, I'm 
really glad that I found out about those back then. I, I would have wished I had found out about the importance of minerals too on, on proper brain health. And minerals, as we mentioned, are the spark plugs of our bodies and the electrical force that's created those electrical impulses in the brain. And they're also pretty key at, at uh, key nutrients that help make the chemicals, the neurotransmitters that are needed for the thought and mood and physical activity, you know. So uh, I, now I know about HTMA, which stands for Hair Tissue Mineral Analysis. And I use that tool in my practice. I, I would use that to find out what the mineral status is and whether or not, it also tells you whether or not you have any heavy metal toxicity and whether that's playing a role in the brain dysfunction. Uh, even though I did end up adding magnesium to the supplements that we were taking uh, because it's such a critical nutrient to the body as a whole and it has a lovely calming effect for, especially for ADHD kids, uh, I would definitely add the magnesium in right away at the beginning uh, and the you know, zinc probably too. And um, one of the things that I've learned pretty pretty recently since I've gotten into this HTMA testing is that there is actually a very specific mineral pattern that's often associated with ADD. And that was surprising to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but Dr. Malter, who specializes in hair testing, seen thousands of, of HTMA lab results, and he says there's a very consistent pattern in people with ADD or ADHD as well, that they have too little calcium and magnesium, so those two calming, major calming minerals are low, and the sodium and the potassium are uh, higher in um, kids you know, with ADD or learning deficiency issues. Um, so, and other, other studies have also shown that while a lot of us are low in magnesium, kids with ADD or people with ADD are, one study showed 72 to 96 percent of kids with ADD had low magnesium. So that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty large amount. I would, I would just, even without testing for magnesium, I'd probably just add it in. And it was something I wish I had, I had known about. Um, but one of the other things I think, you know, getting back to the, the stimulant medications, and I wish I had known too that not only do they reduce the, the, some of the other minerals of sodium and potassium, they, they tend to reduce magnesium as well. So if you do decide to go the medication route, uh, you'll definitely want to increase the amount of magnesium that your kids get. And, and one of the easiest ways to do that is to have them soak in an Epsom salts bath you know, at night with a with calming, you know, maybe a calming essential oils. Uh, that's a great way to easily get it in without having to add another pill to the to the mix. But that's I think, always a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it's. I'm always looking for ways to to get these nutrients in without making it another supplement. Um, it's good for the mama too. Like mama's gonna get her magnesium <laughs> oh. now. <laughs> Could yes. take my bath. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly right. Yeah, and vitamin D is probably another thing that um, I did not know was linked to ADD uh, until until later. And so I would definitely suggest you know getting out in the sun now that you know now that it's uh, summer's over. Maybe we'll have to supplement with something, but uh, definitely uh, get your vitamin D levels measured and and 
most of the general population, well not most, 50% they, they estimate is, is deficient in vitamin D, but ADHD kids were shown to be 33 to 41% lower than the average in terms of vitamin D. Uh, and I, I just read a, a new book, it just came, well, just came out, 2017, but it definitely wasn't around back when I was going on this journey. And it's a great resource, I would highly recommend the book. It's called Finally Focused by Dr. Greenblatt. And, um, and he, he really buys into uh, what we're talking here today about, he, he has familiarity and is a regularly trained doctor, but he, uh, so he uses medications when it's necessary, but he also, that's not the first place he goes. He goes to diet and nutrition, and vitamin D is one of the things that he said was, was also very helpful, uh, not only just to improve mood, but um, which is required to um, make serotonin, which is why vitamin D helps boost the mood. Um, and serotonin is the brain chemical that helps with, with creating a, a better, more uplifted mood. But it also helps with something called sensory gating, which means that it helps people decide which stimuli is important and which can, one can be ignored. And lots of people with ADD have, have difficulty with this one. You know, everything, everything captures their attention and they end up jumping from one thing to the next. But this vitamin D will help them with the sensory gating process. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, that's also important. And I think sleep, we haven't even talked about sleep. Oh gosh. But, you know, we yeah. <laughs> sleep is, is huge and um, something that I knew was important, but I didn't appreciate just how important it was way back then. And um, have, have you heard about glymph? Yes, the, glymph, the, uh, the glymphatic system in the brain. Yes, yes, yes. I, you know, that's been something that's fairly, fairly new. Uh, the, the scientists have, have determined that, yes, we have lymph throughout our bodies, which helps to take out uh, the toxins, the things that we don't need from our body. But I think they believe that the brain didn't have that, uh, that system. And they found that it does. It has what they're calling glymph. G-L-Y-M-P-H, uh, and it's very similar to the lymph fluid in our, in our bodies, but the glymph takes out the trash from the brain, and it works at night during sleep, during deep sleep, and what they found is that, the, well, I thought was fascinating, was that the brain cells actually constrict down by, by a third, and they push, in that process, pushes out the glymph fluid, which has the toxins and the other items that the brain wants to get rid of. So essentially, you're getting a brainwash at night, um, getting brainwashed, and it's <laughs> cleansing and restoring, restoring the brain. Uh, so that's why sleep is just another reason. It's not the only reason, but many, many reasons to get really good deep sleep. And it's critical to prioritize sleep. Um, Absolutely. And I, I, I do think that the Probably one of the things that I'm most excited about and definitely wish I'd been aware of back then is something called amino acid therapy. And I, I use this too, um, to, to help get an, a quick win, so to speak. And amino acids are, are the building blocks of those um, neurotransmitters or the brain chemicals. 
and our body gets them uh, naturally from what we eat in terms of proteins because proteins break down to amino acids and then they are used to make these, these brain chemicals. So that's why increasing protein in the diet is great, but um, it also can be very helpful to just use these amino acids, uh, especially if you think you might have the digestive difficulties and maybe you're not digesting your protein, you think you're getting, you are eating it, but you're really not getting the benefit of it because you're not breaking it down fully. Um, you can actually take the amino acids just under your tongue um, or in a capsule form if you if you want to, but it, it helps almost immediately, uh, has an effect on countenance and motivation, feelings of calm. So it can be a, a great way to allow someone to feel better quickly. You know, I think a lot of the time, a lot of what we're talking about here is overwhelming for people. And then yes. uh, you're, <laughs> you also have, often with ADD, you have a lack of motivation. And so that combined with it's being too overwhelming, I'm not really motivated to do this. I, I just can't, I just can't do this. You know, I think that it's a great way to boost that motivation, to boost that countenance, to give them a feeling of calm so that they can then go on to take the other actions, the other steps to, uh, to really resolve this and get to the root cause of the issue. Um, you know, you just have to get over that initial, that initial pushback. And if you can do that with this v v amino acid therapy, then, then you have a chance at really getting all the way down the road and making those other changes. It just facilitates the whole thing. And, and the, a really good resource for, for amino acid therapy, if people are interested in finding out more about that, is a book called um, The Mood Cure by Julia Ross. And I've, I would highly recommend that to, to understand a little bit more about how that might be used to, to get that quick win, that little boost at the beginning to allow you to, to continue on down the road. Yeah, that always helps when you get that quick feedback. It, it helps mm -hmm. with that motivation. Absolutely. Um, wow. Nope. Gosh, you've given us so much good information. I'm so glad that you, you know, shared the journey in the way that you did, because I think there's a lot of uh, families, moms out there that are overwhelmed um, when, when confronted with these diagnoses and, and the, the diet piece is, is usually the most overwhelming part of it. Um, and so I'm glad that you shared that openly and honestly honestly, but then also came back around to share that that was, that was the biggest game changer mm -hmm. of all. And so I hope that that helps others, um, you know, be motivated and not, and not wait, you know, to, to start that sooner. And, um, in addition to all of these un other wonderful, uh, things that we've discussed today, it's right. just, thank you so much. I know people will want to know, um, will probably want some help. <laughs> it would, well, you know, I'm sure that when you were going through all this, it would have been nice mm -hmm. for, you know, to have oh somebody to, to guide you through it. Right. Um, oh, so if somebody is interested and, and would like a nutritional therapy practitioner that can help them through this, um, how could they find you and contact you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can. Um, I have a website that's called uh, cornerstonenutritionllc.com. And then they could also send me an email if they'd like at holly 
That's holly at cornerstonenutritionllc.com. So those are two good ways to, to do that. And yes, I would definitely, it, it can be, if you, you know, you hear something like this and you think, oh my goodness, they just talked about 20 things that I could do. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know where to start. Just start with one thing. Uh, and then when you incorporate that into your life and it becomes something that's you don't even have to think about anymore, then add the next thing. Don't, please don't let the, 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 the fact that there are lots of different things you can do, which is wonderful. It's very hopeful. It's not like you don't have control over some of these things. You do. But, uh, but I do I encourage people to just take it one step at a time it's uh, you'll see you'll see changes you'll see and you'll be motivated to do the next thing and then you know I'm 20 years down the road you know so uh, and it took me a long time and I, I to get to that point and and yes I do wish that I you know had <laughs> had someone to walk the, the road with me to let me know about this but yes if there was one thing that I would do you know that very first thing would be to really really concentrate on the, the digestive piece that that would be the place to start I think good to know okay before I let you go I've got to ask you the anchor questions so what is your anchor meal right now what's your go-to healthy meal that you're loving making well, I, I think I'm late to the party here because uh, somebody mentioned egg roll in a bowl uh, maybe, a, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I thought, egg roll in a bowl? What's that? <laughs> um, but it is delicious, and I, yes. I, <laughs> I've been making it at least once a week lately. It's, it's, it's wonderful because it's, um, it's full of all sorts of great things that we've been talking about, proteins and um, any kind of vegetables but what's nice is that it really kind of be whatever you have in your refrigerator you can do you can use the wonderful grass-fed grass-finished beef that you sell or or leftover chicken from the night before or shrimp whatever pork whatever you want um, and then any vegetable that you like as well whatever again whatever you have in the fridge and and then it's um, an oriental type sauce um, with some garlic and, and ginger and it's just so, so good and and actually i end up I'm, my mouth is salivating i think i'll go make some for lunch um but i end up actually too instead of just eating it out of the bowl uh i i put it in a lettuce wrap kind of like the pf chang lettuce wraps and i put that inside sprinkle with some crunchy almonds and then put the the sauce on top roll it up and and eat it that way but uh it's, it's fast and easy it's so good yeah i love it my whole family likes egg roll in a bowl and that oh. when we just had it this week actually and i always make a ton and i think oh we'll have leftovers mm -hmm. and we never do because my boys <laughs> go back and mow it down and uh -huh. that's it so yes yeah um, you know you've got a winner when my son was home the other day and the 22 year old looks up from his plate says this one's a good one mom this is good <laughs> you know it's like all vegetables and it's like oh yay you know yay. so <laughs> i know yeah, that's a, a good one yeah okay and how about your anchor verse what verse are you leaning into mm -hmm. a lot right now you know, my anchor verse is, is always, it's just my anchor verse. It's the one that I've been, I called on all throughout my life. Um, in every, every tough situation that I face, because it just is so applicable. And it's what I consider my life verse. 
and it's, it's uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It's the one that says, do not be anxious about anything. And, and that's what I think, you know, you, you're anxious about a number of things as you're going through these issues with your kids and you want the things to, you want it to work out for them. But you don't know how it's going to work out, you know, so you've got to lean into this one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And, and, and that's what he, he does for us. You know, we got to come to him, ask him for his guidance and help. He will give us his peace and, and the guidance that we need and put people into our lives that can help us. So that's the one that I always go to. No, I love that one. Mm -hmm. And I believe that he is putting you into other people's lives to help people. And I'm, I'm truly grateful that you shared all that you did today. Thank you so much. No, oh, you're welcome. It's really, been, it's really been wonderful to be able to do this. And I do hope that it really does give hope and help to a lot of people who are listening. I know it will. I know it will. And thank you all for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Hi, everyone. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.